Good evening, everybody. And despite the fact that I have just knocked a cup of coffee in my lap and a suit that's just out of the cleaners, it's great to be home. I would think growing up in the 1950s in New York, when you've got the New York Giants, the New York Yankees, the Brooklyn Dodgers, and three of the greatest center fielders of all time, and Duke Snyder, Mickey Mantle, and Willie Mays, it would have been so much fun to be around the block on a stoop somewhere arguing about who is the best center fielder. Oh, that was everybody's favorite argument. But sure, of course, who's the best center? You know, who's the best, Willie Snyder or um, Mantle? That's Richard Stevens. He grew up in Brooklyn, rooting for the Brooklyn Dodgers at Ebbets Field. So I think that probably gives you a pretty good indication as to who his favorite center fielder during that time was in New York. They felt like they were part of the Brooklyn family. The golden age of baseball. And in a place like Brooklyn, it wasn't unusual for Pee Wee Reese to literally live right around the block from you. They were. They were your neighbors. A few years ago, Richard Stevens reached out to me at Lost Ballparks and shared with me photographs taken by his family during the 1950s at Ebbets Field, a collection of photographs that I had never seen before. Some of the most amazing shots of that great old ballpark. Well, come to find out, Richard's grandfather had box seats. So Richard literally had a front row seat and an all-access pass to the Brooklyn Dodgers and Ebbets Field. Join us now for another Brooklyn ball game here at Ebbets Field, Brooklyn, USA. Greetings, baseball fans. This is Mel Allen greeting you from Yankee Stadium in New York City. Hello, everyone, with Bob Prince and Nellie King. This is Gene Osbert speaking to you from Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. Well, friends, here we are back at the Polo Grounds in New York City. We're underway in the first of a twilight doubleheader at Tiger Stadium. And it's baseball here at Crosley Field. Just the start of things. Oh, pull up a comfortable chair. If you want to take your shoes off, go ahead. Wiggle your toes, and we hope you'll have a cold shave for it throughout the evening. Welcome to the special bonus episode of the Lost Ball Parks podcast. I'm Mike Kozer, and Richard Stevens is our guest today. So, Richard, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Let's start with this. Your grandpa was a Brooklyn Dodgers season ticket holder at Ebbets Field, right? In the 30s, he was a fan and a businessman, and he decided that uh, the two should combine, and he bought a single box And as the years went on, he bought two more, and the Dodgers management noticed that, and he became closer because of that reason to the to both the team and management and until he was considered an unofficial official member of the Dodger organization. Wow, all the way back to the thirties. Oh yeah, we started in the thirties. And by the looks of the photos that I've seen, it looks like his seats were right above the Dodger dugout on the first base side. Is that right? Yes, they, it's, it was the right above the dugout at the corner. There's a picture of Jackie's first bat as a Dodger. In that box is my grandfather, my grandmother, my father, my future mother, and my aunt. Actually, it turns out, you see, you discover things you don't even realize. I realized a a couple of months ago that there is another picture of Jackie handing my grandfather a bat on the last day of the, uh, I think it was the 56 World Series. Excitement fills the air. It's World Series time. The Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Yankees. And it turns out then that my grandfather has pictures with Jackie of being at his first bat and his last game as a Dodger. Your grandfather had all of these tickets. So how would he determine who in the family would would make it to which games? 
Well, I was, as a young child, I had preference, my father. My grandmother did not like baseball. Basically, my father and me. And many of the pictures taken, including my favorite picture of all with me and Jackie's arms, was taken by my father. There's one photo of you at Ebbets Field, and you're just a little guy at this point. You're in your Dodger uniform, and you have someone's bat in your hands and are swinging out on the field in front of the Dodger dugout at Ebbets Field. What was happening in that photo? Well, you have to understand that what makes that photo unique is that you don't see any supervision around me, do you? No. My father's the one who took the picture. But at that point, I was allowed complete access to Ebbets Field as long as I understood certain rules. In other words, for my own safety. Don't bother the players. Let the players come to you. And once the uh, batting practice was basically during the Dodgers batting practice. And once the Dodgers batting practice was over, I had to leave the field with the Dodgers. That day, after you saw me swinging the bat, I went to play Pepper with Pee Wee Reese. Where on the field did you play Pepper with him? Like in front of the batting cage? Not near the batting cage. He just took me to a, uh, a spot on the grass where he would play Pepper with me. There was, all right, my fourth, favorite Dodgers were, of course, Jackie. I was close to Gil, Pee Wee, Campy. I mean, all the players were nice to me, but those four were especially nice to this little annoying young boy. And it was actually a friendly competition between them to see which one would win turning me into their position. Uh, I'm wearing Gil's glove in most of the pictures. Jackie, of course, wanted me to be a second baseman, and Campy wanted me to be a catcher. Love Roy Campanella so much. In fact, right above the studio where I record this podcast, I have a hand-painted sign that was used to commemorate his 1953 MVP trophy when it sat in the rotunda at Ebbets Field. This particular hand-painted sign sat right next to the trophy when it was on display, and it's for me, it's a prized possession. He always made me smile. Like I said, he was one of my four favorite Dodgers, and I can understand why it's your favorite uh, piece of memorabilia. I happened to have, I had to sell two-thirds of the collection to save my parents' house, but I still have a few gloves, a few bats, and some other things stored in a safe that now that Cooperstown has corrected its mistake. Oh, Gil Hodges now in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. That wrong has finally been righted that I will donate when I pass on. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about that. What is your favorite piece of memorabilia? Like this particular thing means more to me than anything else. Memories. Every year, there'd be a picture day where I would take pictures with all the Dodgers. Unfortunately, almost all of them, except for one year in particular, I think it's 1957 or 56, they were all lost to time. Except for that one photograph that you have, you and Jackie Robinson. That is the only picture that survived from 1955. And it was on picture day. And they were going to take the standard 
picture of the ball player holding my hand. And Jack, you, you have to understand, Jackie was very close to my grandfather. They were good friends from the very beginning because my grandfather, A, admired Jack. B, he passed down something to me. My grandfather was colorblind. He only saw people. They spent a lot of time together. They used to go out with my parents to Lundy's in Brooklyn. They went to his house many times. But that day, Jackie was supposed to take the standard picture holding my hand. And he smiled at my grandfather and said, you know what, Jack? I got a better idea. And that's how that picture appeared. He just picked me up. And the next thing I knew, I was in his arms. And you can see from my face in the picture how absolutely delighted I was. I can imagine. And to have that picture still to this day, it's a treasure, I'm sure. So most kids, when they go to a game, look forward to obviously getting some ice cream, some Cracker Jacks, maybe a hot dog and a Coke. And if they're lucky, a scorecard, uh, back in the day anyway, and then a souvenir. Do you remember getting souvenirs as a kid? No, the only souvenirs I brought home, remember, were bats, gloves, an actual game-used bat or glove from somebody as a souvenir that you got, as a souvenir that you got to take home. Those were my souvenirs. Some of the players gave you a glove. Yes, I have one of Campy's gloves. I have uh, one of Gil's gloves. I had one of Jackie's gloves, but I had to sell it. I had a bunch of Jackie's bats, but I had to sell it. Like I said, I had to save my parents' house. Yeah. But yes, those were my souvenirs. Uh, For years afterwards, by the way, I wore one of Gil's um, warm-up jackets. Oh, wow. You had one of those too. Oh, yeah. Gil was my second favorite Dodger. And like I said, he and my grandfather were almost as close as... um, Jackie and my grandfather were. 1955 was a magical year for the Brooklyn Dodgers. There need be no additional descriptive words used today. This is the seventh game of the World Series, and this is the game. Today, we find the winner taking the jewels, taking the title. Another bright, brilliant fall afternoon here in Yankee Stadium with the temperature in the high 60s, the sun shining brightly. On the sidelines, we have two left-handers, Johnny Padres working for the Brooklyn Dodgers, Tommy Byrne working for the New York Yankees. So in the ninth inning of that historic game, Dodgers-Yankees Game 7 of the 1955 World Series, Johnny Padres working on a complete game. Now he looks into Roy Campanella. Nobody on, two out. The Dodgers leading two to nothing. It's the last half of the ninth inning. Johnny Padres into his windup in the 2-2 pitch. A light-up curve, a ground ball to the left side. Pee Wee Reese has it. The throw to first, and he's out. And the Dodgers win by a score of two to nothing. It was truly a momentous day for the borough of Brooklyn because... For the first time in the history of baseball, the Brooklyn Dodgers become the world champions. I know you were young at the time, but did you have a sense that that 1955 team was special? It was a magical season. It had an extra special tinge. You knew something was going on. You could feel it. The Dodgers left Brooklyn at the end of the 1957 season. Do you remember how you felt when you heard the news that they were moving to Los Angeles? Like every other, you see, I always wear a Brooklyn Dodger hat. And it makes for nice conversations when I meet a fellow Brooklynite from that time. It destroyed the borough. It was such a shock and sadness that I just, I couldn't deal with it. And I just buried it in the back of my mind and left it alone for uh, 30 years. 
Do you remember driving by the uh, the ballpark, driving by Ebbets Field after they had left? And uh, no, no, thank God. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, my father left. My family left the year after them. No, I've never seen the stadium afterward. To this day, I will never go look at that sign or the apartments. Uh, I don't like looking at pictures of the stadium. It's still, you have to understand, the creed of the old Brooklynites is very simple. Never forget, never forgive. Richard, thank you so much for taking us back in time. Your family photographs of Ebbets Field are some of the best photos I've ever seen taken of any ballpark. Well, I appreciate that. The best part about it is that it it makes the memories even stronger. Hopefully you're following Lost Ballparks on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter if you are. There are several photos that Richard has shared over the years with Lost Ballparks that we've posted to give you a better sense of what it was like for him during that time. So, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, Richard. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Want to thank our producers, Michael Ortman, Xavier Guerra, Mike Dunn, Manny Zaflakis, and Briggs Buckingham. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday when Hall of Famer Tony Oliva joins me for Season 3, Episode 6 of the Lost Ballparks Podcast.